0: Gosh, he's handsome, buddy.
1: I can't deal with that pinky. Let's just acknowledge um, the fact that I have a mustache. So let's just get it out there, okay? It can get really ugly really fast. Nine million Slurpees will be distributed today. Daniel Schneeman. He was named Orlando
2: Baking Company player oh, on a roll. He's on a roll.
3: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off... Here's the double coverage interview of the week. Well, we're
1: 50 days out. We're going to give you a preview of every BYU opponent coming up in the next couple of weeks. So we start with the opener against Utah. And now joining us is the voice of the Utes, friend of the program. We've known him a long time. His name's Bill Riley on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Bill, how are you doing this morning?
4: Jerem, I'm good. Some have known us longer than others, right, Jerem? Back to the Copper Hills days, right?
1: yes. Uh, late '90s, early 2000s, when you came from Jacksonville, you actually wrote, wrote a letter of recommendation for a scholarship that I didn't get. I want to bring up at BYU. I, I apologize if <laughs> the letter wasn't
4: quite good enough.
1: I wish, I wish that was the reason. Yeah. Okay, we're 50 days out from BYU in Utah. Um, I guess what what emotions come to mind when you when you think about? Hey, this is just around the corner.
4: I I was just talking to your executive producer, my friend Ben Bagley, and saying I can't believe that we are 50 days away and I don't know where time flies it used to feel like summer was interminable that we couldn't wait to the beginning of camp and then I mean we're, we're like three weeks less than three weeks away from the start of camp much less the season which is 50 days away so I, I think it's great I don't know about you guys I you know I I love the fact that the game's the first game of the year now I know a lot of people say oh it should be at the end of the year and I'm sure Brian feels that way because that's where it was when he played but we know things are different now. The schools are in different places. I just love the game still being played. And if it can't be played at the end of the year, played at the beginning, we have all summer to hype it up. And, and then you get it out of the way, and then you can turn your attention to other things, and everybody's healthy. and So I'm just excited for it.
2: I, I actually like it to be in the, in the beginning versus the end of the season. Um, I'm with you, man. I think the biggest thing is, is the injuries, right, and and the health Um I think this is a true testament of how good these programs either one can be or the, the hard work that they've done, you know, up until that point. Um, there's no game film that you can really watch except for the previous year. Well, they uh, just played hard. two
1: games ago. Well,
2: you know, you know <laughs> but, you know, when you have different coaches and players and things like that. It's, it's all really the same people. Can,
1: it's yeah, all the same people.
2: You know, there's different little wrinkles and things like that. It's yeah. hard to really get a good grasp. Anyway, I do agree with you. I like it to be in, in, the, in the, the, the very first game. For the season. Now, when we think about last year, we almost had you guys. I thought the curse of Max Hall was going to be broken. Uh, we came back uh, down 20, uh, or, or you guys came back, you guys were down 20. Uh, were you a little bit nervous as the game was rolling out?
4: Well, I mean, I don't know how you could, couldn't be a little nervous. You're down 20 late in the third quarter. I thought that, that you know, was, I had Julian Blackman on my show yesterday, and, and I felt like the game maybe turned when he picked off Zach Wilson, but then BYU went right back down the field and scored again to make it 27, seven. So yeah, I mean, you've got your backup quarterback who's never been in that situation, got your backup tailback and your defense, which has been lights out. It's given up 27 points. So yeah, there, there, there wasn't a lot of, I mean, you guys were at the stadium that day. There wasn't a lot, a whole lot of life in rice Eccles stadium. And there wasn't a whole lot of reason to think, yeah, things are going to be better. And then it did things kicked in. Jason Shelley started playing and it, and it was, it was a whole lot better, but Yeah, there there were some nervous moments late third quarter, early fourth quarter last year rice Echols,
1: Let's talk about this year's group in 2019. A lot of preseason hype uh, for this Utah squad that uh, went to the Pac-12 title game last year, returns a lot of the major pieces. Is this the best team from Utah going into the season, in your opinion, in the Pac-12 era?
4: Oh, there's no doubt about that, Jeremy. It might be the best team going into a season of the Kyle Whittingham era, too, and that includes 2008, the undefeated team. I I just – they've never had more talent 1 through 85. Uh, Even that 2008 team, which was really, really good, put a bunch of guys in the NFL, they weren't as deep as this particular team. And that was a team that got to play a Mountain West Conference schedule. It didn't have to play a Pac-12 schedule. And I think we saw it on on display last year. We were just talking about the BYU game, but it was the Oregon game and the Colorado game before that, and then the Pac-12 championship game, you know, you play without your starting quarterback and you play without your all conference tailback and we're still able to get, you know, to get it done down the stretch. And I think that was a testament to the depth and, and the talent that, that Whittingham and his staff have recruited to. And coming back this year, I mean, there was a good chance that, you know, Julian Blackman, Jalen Johnson, Lecky Foto, Bradley and I were all going to go play in the league. They would have all been drafted in the NFL depending on, you know, what grade they got. They would have all been drafted. They chose to come back. Getting those guys back, getting Huntley and Moss back uh, with this football team are huge, huge boost to go with some talent that was already there. And I think the unsung move in the offseason is the return of Andy Ludwig at an offensive coordinator. You know, I've joked repeatedly that ever since Andy left after the 08 season 10 years ago, Kyle Whittingham's been in search of Andy Ludwig. <laughs> and that's who he's wanted. He's wanted Andy. He has to be able to find him. And then Andy's and That's, I think, one of the reasons why there's kind of been a little bit of a revolving door at offensive coordinator because Kyle knew what he wanted in an offensive coordinator. It was Andy Ludwig. And I think getting him back in Andy's style and his adaptive style, I think, will be really good for this offense, really good for Kyle. But I think it'll be really good for Tyler Huntley, too, because I don't think you're going to see him exposed nearly as much in in the spread offense as he was the last couple of years. He'll still be able to use his athleticism, but I don't think you're going to see him as many designed runs as maybe there were in Troy Taylor's offense.
2: Bill, in my experience playing uh, rival games throughout my whole life, it didn't really matter about how good a team was, um, returning starters, players, um, records? we just completely threw them out the window because anything could happen. Um, with the hype surrounding this team and the talent that you just mentioned, is it safe to assume that as well going into this game?
4: That nothing matters? I, that, that, I, I've that, always said – Yeah. Go mm-hmm. ahead. No, go ahead. No, I I, I think tal. I mean, I, I do think talent does matter. I think that sometimes a rivalry game can be a little bit of an equalizer on an emotional standpoint or front. But but I I do think talent. I don't think location matters. I've, I've never really thought that you know playing that game in Provo or playing it in Salt Lake City really matters. Whether you play it in Columbus or Ann Arbor or wherever it might be um, with rivalry games. But but I I do think talent and experience matters. And I do think it matters when you've had guys that have been through the game before. Um, So I I do think Utah has a a talent advantage in this game, whether they come out and play to that level of talent. And I do think, Brian, being the first game of the year, we know this. It's in the NFL where you have two or three preseason games to knock the rust off. First games can be kind of weird when you haven't had that that exhibition game or anything like that. So I, I think that Utah is a more talented team across the board and in a lot of key positions. But I will say this, playing it in the first game where last year maybe injuries without Moss and and Huntley were a little bit of an equalizer, I think this year playing it in the first game makes it a little bit of an equalizer too because you haven't had that game game speed and game experience which you can't simulate in a practice.
1: Yeah, it was weird the last game of the year. Both teams are playing with backup quarterbacks. Both teams are playing backup running backs. It was, it was interesting. Now the full attention is on this game. I wanted to ask you about Britton Covey because tore his ACL meniscus in the uh, Pac-12 title game. He played with a broken wrist, uh, we find out later. All year. This, I mean, all, that,
4: all year basically from the Washington crazy. game on, he was playing with a broken wrist.
1: That's, that's wild. Is he expected to be ready for the BYU game or will he join midseason?
4: He, now, he told me that everything was on track to be ready to go with fall camp. I talked to him about a month ago. Wow. and He said the rehab was going really, really well. Now, that doesn't mean he'll be full speed by the beginning of, of fall camp. But his ex. I asked him, I said, are you expecting to play against BYU? He said, I'm expecting to play against BYU. I'm not his doctor. I haven't seen it. I'm not running his rehab. I'm just going by what he told me in an interview. He said he's hoping and expecting to play against BYU.
2: That means he wants to, he wants to. Not well, of expectancy. course he does, the Provo kid, right? Yeah. Well, you know, he, he, he works hard. I think he's tough, obviously, you know, playing with a, a broken wrist and, and hand and whatnot. And I think it all comes down to the determination with the rehab, right? We've seen guys, you know, within the program come back off of injuries like Taysom, right, come back and we're like, what the heck? You know, how did you, you know, how did you do that? So hope, I hope so. It makes the rivalry, you know, that much uh, better and more entertaining to watch. Um, Bill, t- uh, today our, our question of the day is what are you – 50-50 about uh, regarding the, the BYU football program. Uh, so we'll ask the same question to you regarding uh, the Utah football program.
4: 50-50, uh, I don't know. But the question I have going into camp, though, is is just how the offensive line pieces fit together. I think they know who three of their five guys are. You know, can you figure out who those other two guys are and how quickly can you do it into fall camp? I think Jim Harding likes the group he has. But he's got to figure out who, you know, I think he's got his starting left tackle is Darren Paulo. I think his starting center is Orlando Umana. And Nick Ford's going to be a starter either at a guard or he could play right tackle. But then they've got a group of guys, some transfers, some J.C. guys, and some guys that didn't participate in the spring. They've got to figure out who slots into those other two places for me. I'm going to be honest, guys, and I'm not trying to be the homer here. There aren't very many. I'll tell you the other question is place kicker, which is weird to say at Utah because they've had all-conference and all-American place kickers for the last twelve years. They, they don't have a definitive place kicker today either. So BYU, and this is weird to say too, may go into that game with the more proven kicker. When was the last time we could say that? Yeah, not and even maybe? then,
1: there's going to be a, a battle for that spot here.
4: Oh, is there? Okay, yeah, so yeah. I, so it's not necessarily Skylar Southam right now.
1: Not necessarily. Uh no, Jake uh Jake uh, what, what's I'm blanking. Old Droid is back from a mission and will compete for that spot. But yeah, no one okay. breaks down kickers well, so, so we may like we back Nation. to the days of
4: the early 90s where, where we don't <laughs> <laughs> if the game comes down to a kick Thirty four thirty one. 31 So let me let me flip one on you guys now cuz here's the the question I'm throwing out today. If you guys could pick one guy off of the Utah roster to plug into Utah into, into BYU squad, who would you pick? Either side of the
2: football. Zach Moss. <laughs>
4: that's, that, that's,
2: that's a very yeah. good and quick yeah. answer, Brian. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, it's, that's no, it's just, yeah, yeah.
1: That's not even, if, if it's not Zach. Uh, I'm probably going with uh, Leckie Fotu or Bradley and I just to have a little more umph on the defensive line. I think Barry's got some. Could you
4: imagine Leckie Fotu and Kyrus Tonga playing side by side? I can, and they almost did at Utah, right? Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you. I'm going with Brady. I'm going with Brady Christensen, and I'm going to play him at right tackle.
1: Mm. Nice. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah freshman All American, graded out really well last year. Fantastic. I want to ask about the defense. Yeah, I, I
4: just like him because he's got reps. The guys Utah might have, you know, I think Utah's got some guys, but Brady's a proven commodity, and I think he's got a huge, bright future BYU, don't you guess?
1: Yeah, he could yeah, be a four year sure. guy that's playing the NFL. Excited about him. So defensively, that defensive line, faux to Anay, Pennicini, awesome. Um, on the back end, Jalen Johnson, Julian Blackman, fantastic. I guess the questions defensively for you, Tom, might come at linebacker. Obviously, Francis Bernard there, Mika Tufua, a couple of uh, kind of former Cougs in a way. Um, who replaces Cody Barton and Chase Hansen at linebacker?
4: Well, it's going to be Francis is one of those guys. We all kind of thought Francis would be the guy last year that Cody would start the year, but Cody was so <laughs> he's so good. Francis ended up being the third linebacker, but it'll be Francis and Manny Bowen, and Manny was a two-year starter at at Penn State. So um, those two guys, the third linebacker, it'll be interesting, but I think it's going to be Devin Lloyd. He was a freshman, a redshirt freshman a year ago. He's really, really good. Um, He's kind of a thicker, uh, taller version of Stevenson Sylvester, if you remember Sly from that Mm -hmm. uh, 07-08 teams who played for the Steelers for a little while. He's really, really good. So they've got three linebackers. Sioni Lund, who was who was a Brighton High kid, went to Stanford's. Come back, he's working his way in at linebacker. They got a transfer kid, an LDS kid from UCLA, Mike Juarez, who yep. was the number one linebacker in the nation a few years ago. Yep. He had concussion issues at UCLA. Never really got on the field. Wasn't a he was a Jim Mora, not a Chip Kelly guy. Uh, if he can get eligible, he'll be in the mix. He may have some grade stuff that he has to finish up this summer. He may end up taken a year and a half, two to play, but uh, he, he'd be in the mix too. But but your two starting linebackers are going to be Bowen and uh, and Francis Bernard.
1: Okay, good stuff. We look forward to uh, 50 days from today, BYU and Utah, Bill. We always uh, appreciate the time, and thanks again for your letter of recommendation.
4: <laughs> hey, anytime, Jaron Brian, good talking to you, and tell Linton that uh, there's no days off when you hit 50 yeah. days. His slacking is really disappointing to me. Yeah,
1: I was gone last week, so whatever. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> yeah. That's Bill Riley on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Utah's certainly talented. Uh, that first game's going to be exciting. Yeah. I yeah. think uh, BYU's been rearing to go again. They will have played twice in three games, which is I can't, awesome. I can't wait, man. can't wait.
3: That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
1: If you've ever wondered if you could shoot under pressure like Jim or Fredette or dunk like Mark Pope Yes. You're in luck. Today's Between the Lines explores that with BYU basketball's Gavin Baxter and Taylor Mon as they reenact a couple of Fredette's uh, great moments and their new head coach's most iconic moments. Let's go Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents
3: Between the Lines
5: all right, we're with Gavin Baxter and Taylor Mohn. What's up, guys? How's it going? Good. It's a
3: <laughs> Fredette for three. Got it! Here's Baxter. You're
5: kidding me. I want to know, who was the player that you guys looked up to as a kid?
0: Jim or Fredette, for sure. Really? Jimmer mania was was crazy, and I was glued to the screen for every game or if I could go. It's just the best best time ever.
5: What's a basketball moment that you remember the most? It could be your own, it could be one in the NBA.
0: I think we could stick with Jimmer um, when he hit the half court shot against Utah. Mm-hmm. I just remember Greg Rubel calling it on the radio and I was <laughs> listening to it on the radio, so it was crazy to hear. And I was just losing my mind, of course.
4: Into Jimmer with four and with three and with two. Jimmer from 40
5: feet! Alright, we have five seconds. Five, four, two. Let's go, Gavin Baxter. Three. From half court.
6: Two, one. It's a bucket.
7: Oh, no Gosh good. darn.
8: We're gonna try the wind speed that out again? of the
0: wind speed out of the northwest is kind of <laughs> yeah, nice. I agree.
8: Alright, five. Gavin four, Baxter with the dribble. Three from half court. Two,
3: one, zero. It's a oh, bucket! Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jimmer for that. I mean he he obviously is is one of the greatest. BYU basketball players to, to come through here, and a uh, guy that I really looked up to.
0: Pull back between the leg, spin, the move, split the D. Split the D to the and way. finish with the left. Yeah, that That's one's you for easy. sure. That's mm-hmm. too easy. Yep. All righty. Taylor from the right side, who crosses back, sees the big, splits the defense, and finishes with the left. I like that. Very
5: good. How is it having Mark Pope as the new head coach?
0: He just brings energy and passion, like you said, to um, not only basketball, but just kind of the the energy and the environment around the team.
6: It's awesome. Taylor? Yeah. Coach Pope's attention to detail is, is next level, and like Gavin said, the, just the excitement and the energy that he brings to the gym, is it's contagious.
5: Have you guys seen any video or clips of his glory days when he played? Have you seen anything?
0: I have not. Oh. I looked some up on YouTube. Couldn't find any. Hmm but I don't know man, you guys probably have
5: some. We have some, okay. we have some for you and we want you to reenact it for us, all right?
0: Where is coach? Should be like the only white guy out there. Oh, there he is. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh, mad head. vertical. On his head. You could fit a sheet of paper under that. On his jumped head. Up. Jumped up way so high, it's crazy. Here we go. Let's
5: see this. Uh-huh. You having Can some great you? moves the top? the him on with the dime.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to windmill that one. Nope. That was a nope. oh, free throw. Free look at the hair.
6: Highest
0: percentage shot Where in is he? Why is he holding the ball right there?
6: Uh-huh.
0: Well, look at that. Oh,
6: it's pure, though.
0: He didn't finish his shot, though. It was pure. It was pure. It went in, though. Can't argue that. All right, Mark Pope to the line. He's a decent free throw shooter. Great hair, great form. He squatted low That's on that.
5: Wow! Yeah.
0: Yeah. He also did that after.
5: <laughs> All right, guys. After those reenactments, how do you feel like you did as a well? whole?
0: It's good. Yeah. yeah. did a really good job.
2: Perfect. Yeah. For uh,
1: reenactments, as far as
2: reenactments right, go? Outdoor
0: court. Outdoor court. The wind's blowing.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Perfect day. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for being here with us, and good luck this summer.
0: Appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Very nice. Lauren McLean. appreciate it. Gavin Baxter and Taylor We're uh, working out there. It's good to see that uh, court outside Famous. of uh, – the old Deseret Towers here, now they're the new... What are they called? New DT? What are they called? New DT? What is the, what's the name of the, those buildings? They don't know. Our, our student crew has no idea. No one, knows, <laughs> no one knows what the names are. They used to be called Deseret Towers. Anybody? Like, what you, Nobody? Uh, Heritage, Heritage Halls. Holes, okay. Yeah, that's their name, right. Well, none of them live in there. They have. They live in there. They're like, what are you, talk, not, what are you talking of, for? None of, none of our students are freshmen. <laughs> they're like, I don't live there. Whatever, man. Yeah. Uh, you can follow between the lines on... Uh, the social media, Twitter, Instagram. See more of your favorite BYU athletes. The
3: best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
1: So I'm teamed up with my personal DB coach, Brian Logan. And I bring this up that's right, that's right. because I participated in the corporate sponsorship team Uh, Flag football tournament. I didn't make a lot of plays, but I made the game-winning play last night for the championship. We're on defense. Hail Mary. I'm one of the deep three safeties. Ball bounces around. Guy catches it. I made a tackle a foot short for the win. For the win, man. Kalani Satake said that was big time. I felt pretty good in that moment. I I felt really proud as your coach. (laughs) Um, I sucked except for that. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? And we'll watch, we'll, we have video we'll, of the play here, so. We'll break it down. We'll okay, break, it, break down. it down. You're going to see me come in at the very end. So, okay. so
2: obviously, the offense needs a Hail Mary. This, the quarterback is scrambling, buying some times. Throws it up in the air into the crowd. The ball gets tipped, and a receiver comes down with it. Has maybe maybe one, two yards to, to turn and run.
1: Mm-hmm. Actually scores. However, However. what do I have in my hand? Jerem
2: grabs the flag yeah. at the one yard line. Yeah. It was one foot line. One foot line
1: and disrupts everything. They thought they had a touchdown.
2: They thought they had a win. They thought they had a friend. (laughs) They had zero points.
1: I warned (laughs) you, no points. Now, I did stutter step. You did stutter step a little bit. Break down my technique there.
2: You know, I I understand why you did that because the ball was tipped in the air. So there's a little bit of a, you know, your eyes are drawn. But at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, your job is to make sure that, obviously, they don't cross the goal line. Yes. So if you have your eyes on the receiver at the time regardless if he you know catches the ball or not if it's tipped to him regardless of what where the case is as long as you drive to him if you're driving that's going to remove the stutter step okay and you know you're going to get there to you know you're make the tackle faster now it's okay because it's flag football right yeah it's flag football if it's not yeah, flag it's... football if you had to tackle if him if it's not flag football i'm in the booth that stutter step <laughs> that stutter step well, is who you, you yeah yep yeah. okay. and that's how that's how this game
1: is it's a game of inches! Yes, literally. Inches! Literally. It was 6 to 12 inches. That was a little bit so. of a promo for After Further Review. <laughs> Thank Tuesdays. you. Coming this fall. Yeah, this fall. Coming this fall. Uncle Dave will be proud. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, so we won the championship. Uh, my coaches were uh, Zane Anderson and Trajan Peely. Shout out to my team. We did it for Staley. We did it for Staley. Okay, uh, it's Wednesday. That means a new edition of 10 in 10.
3: 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem 10 in 10. Today it's the top
1: ten running backs BYU will face this season. Number ten, Joshua Mack, Liberty. 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 The FCS transfer from Maine led all of that level in rush yards per game in 2017. He's Got great hair. Awesome, right? 133 a game, 5.5 per carry. He'll form a nice tandem with Frankie Hickson in the backfield. I love the hair, man.
2: Something about Hair's great. You it. know,
1: I think I think running backs get superpowers from hair, yeah, like Samson, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Number nine. Vavai Malepei, USC, VM for short, rushed for 501 yards, 5.4 yards per carry, a team-high eight touchdowns last season, of 18 catches for 93 yards. He's the leading returning rusher for the men of Troy. Game three for Buell. Definitely a back
2: that can make things happen outside of the backfield with catches 18, right? Somebody you got
1: to keep on your radar at all times. Number eight, Frankie Hickson, Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Yeah, that's two. The fifth-year senior rushed for a thou last year. 11 touchdowns, put up 100-plus in five games, but is recovering from offseason knee surgery, so that's always a question. Yeah, man, when you look at his highlight types that we're looking at right now, somebody's a little bit shorter, a little bit stocky,
2: uh, but you look at the, the swivel, right, the agility, being able to make people miss, get to the edge.
1: Um, but, you know, coming back from a knee injury is always tough from a running back. Number seven, Gerald Bright, Utah State. 888 yards last year, 6.3 a pop, 10 touchdowns on the ground, 3 TD catches. Had a great year for the nation's number two scoring offense. Four 100-yard games, three touchdowns versus Hawaii, 121 yards that day. Gerald Bright, Utah State. It's somebody that's scary. When you
2: think about uh, his explosion, 400-yard games, um, but most importantly, the carry, man. 6.3 yards a carry, mm. right? We, we just, for any any offense, you just hope that they try to get, you know, five or 3.4, four, whatever the case is, right? But to get 6.3?
1: Yeah. Zach Wilson, 7.3 on non sack carries, by the way. Hmm. Number six, Ty Chandler, <laughs> Tennessee. Five and a half yards a carry, 630 yards, four touchdowns on a bad offense with a poorest offensive line. Three touchdowns receiving, 17 yards a catch as a receiver. How about that? Ran for seven per carry the final three games in SEC play. Yeah, this this is another kid that
2: I would just put as athlete. I wouldn't, really, wouldn't put him as a running back, but I mean he can do all things. Catch the ball, um, obviously explosive. As you, if you were watching the highlights, you know from home,
1: uh, you can see how agile, how smooth the kid looks. To the top five we go. Number five, Jordan Cronkite, South Florida. No relation to Walter. Played two years at Florida, 1,100 yards last year, nine touchdowns. Had 302 yards versus UMass, fourth most for an FBS player from a Florida school ever. Went for 100 plus in five straight games. Five and a half yards per carry in his career. Definitely a bigger back, man. You know, taller um, can bruise you. Um, you know, how much? How many yards did we rush against UMass? Not three hundred two. I don't think. Yeah. Number four, Bryant Kobach, Toledo. The Kentucky transfer led the Rockets with nine hundred seventeen yards last year. That's second most for a Toledo freshman in school history. A MAC high fourteen touchdowns, six yards per carry, and that was top twenty-five among nine hundred yard plus rushers nationally. Season high one ninety-two versus Kent State. I like that you put him fourth, you know, especially being a freshman. Uh, a lot of upsides. doing the damage
2: that he did last year, another year of experience under his belt, spring, another camp.
1: Look out. Number three, Jawan Washington, San Diego State. He was one yard shy of a 1,000 despite missing four games last year due to a broken clavicle. I broke my clavicle in fifth grade. Someone said, you broke your collarbone? I was like, no, my clavicle. Five yards to <laughs> carry, 10 rush touchdowns, all in nine games. Classic San Diego State back in the spirit of Donnell Pumphrey and Rashad Pennick. I don't even know what a clavicle is. Uh, it's, Where's, it's, that? it's your collarbone. Oh. Oh, okay. Number two, Savon Ahmed, Washington. Now you get the joke. Ahmed rushed for 996 yards, 10 touchdowns and 6 yards of carry over the last 2 years because he was the number 2 behind all-time leading rusher in school history, Miles Gaskin. Ahmed will be a 1000-yard rusher in the Pac-12 in my opinion. Yeah, he, he's definitely, you know, one of the scariest backs that BYU face. Uh, when you when you
2: look at what he had, what he did in the production from um, a, a big-time back like Gaskin and then being able to just learn from him, right? and those reps. Uh, those mental reps that he gets. But when you look at the highlight tapes here, can knock you down, go around you, through you, upside, top of you, sideways, slanted ways, all kind of ways. So
1: BYU defense will have uh, had their hands full. And the top running back BYU will face in 2019 is Zach Moss of Utah. He's a great back. Rushed for nearly 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns. That was in nine games. He missed four games. Due to an injury, 6.1 yards per carry, 211 yards against UCLA, 160 against Stanford, touchdowns in eight of the nine games he played in. If he didn't have a serious knee injury, he probably would have gone pro. BYU will have a huge test in week one, and those are the top ten running backs BYU will face in 2019. I think the thing I appreciate the most about Zach Moss is
2: his his footwork, man. He, He can make people miss while still going north and south.
1: And That's he didn't play in the game last year.
2: He didn't, and he didn't play. It was injured. You, got, you, you would imagine what, what the difference could have been, right? So, but BYU had their chance this year. BYU um, was playing with
1: its third string running back, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that was. Because Squally Cannon and Lopini were That were wasn't. That was so the it wasn't just Utah playing and, with injured. And, yeah. and he was on the defensive side, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: uh, Matt Hammer. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Our next guest is a
1: star man. He did it in 2015 in the end zone to beat Boise State. Among many other highlights, he is the sideline reporter for the BYU radio broadcast. His name is Mitchell Juergens on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Mitchell, how you doing, brother?
8: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: We are good, man. Uh, Fall camp starts at the end of this month. We're feeling good. What is this time like for the players as they know they're just a couple of weeks away from fall camp, which can be a grind, but perhaps it's a very exciting time getting ready for the season?
8: Yeah, this is, I mean, as a player, when I go back, uh, some of my most fun memories at BYU um, as a player were in the summers. You're just, you you really get to build strong relationships with all the players because. I mean, you're out there grinding. You're out there trying to perfect your craft to get ready for fall camp. You, you should be in the best shape of your life going into fall camp. And so it's just it's just a fun time for them to get their minds ready, um, kind of enjoy the last little bit they have until the grind really really starts in fall camp when it's just football all day every day. And so this is this is just a fun time to build relationships, build chemistry with a quarterback from, you know, from a receiver standpoint. Uh, so it's just it's a great time, and, and the anticipation's there, the adrenaline's there, and I think the guys, these guys are getting ready.
2: I agree with you 100%, Mitch. I mean, that was definitely the funniest, Only because there was no coaches out, so there's no authority. We could do <laughs> whatever, whatever we wanted to do. Um, but there there was also some, some times where, you know, we had players, because there was uh, the lack of authority, where they didn't have to show up um and with, with i remember with us when we were playing um guys just couldn't come to practice they we couldn't we didn't allow them to lift weights um were there any guys that um name you, you names guys, you guys don't name names but <laughs> what 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 were, what were some of the things that you guys did to, to motivate those guys to you know to to keep, get on the train yeah so i mean there were definitely those players
8: um you know you're not going to have uh, 100% dedication from every player. As much as you hope for that, um, reality is it's, it's not going to happen. And so at, at that point, I mean, you really rely on seniors and the leaders of the team. Um, I know last year too, this, this BYU team had some, have captains that, captains that were, that were younger, that were juniors. And so those guys, I mean, they've, they've got a lot of respect from players. And, you know, like you said, the coaches aren't out there, but when you've got your leaders of the team, um, calling these players, calling these guys that maybe aren't as dedicated, and and really motivating them. I feel like um, those types of players that aren't there as much, they respond really well to the leaders of the team. Um, they're they're elected captains for a reason, and and it's up to them to step up and and take responsibility to to ensure that those guys are are there, um, that they motivate in the proper way, and um, and so I think it's just a great time for those leaders to step up. And, and show their leadership, demonstrate it, um, to get you know as many of their players there and dedicated as possible.
1: Mitchell Juergens is on BYU Sports Nation. ESPN's uh, Football Power Index came out yesterday, specific uh, win percentages by game, which gives us something to talk about in July a little bit, right? The BYU yeah. is a dog in the first four and then a favorite in the last eight. So let's say BYU, they're projecting seven and a half, uh, let's say eight and four in the regular season. Would you take that even if BYU lost the first four?
8: No, no, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing those four games and, you know, I want to, I want to win all four, obviously, but I mean, those, those are four games that if you, if you start the season 0-4, for fans especially, it's deflating. You know, you want to see your team win some big games. Those are the exciting ones that um, me as a player, I got so excited to play and, um, you know the first four games of the season that you worked so hard for over the summer, and and so I would I would definitely I'd play it out. I wouldn't take the eight and four um uh, to to lose the first four games of the season. I want I want to be. I mean. You can't you can't take uh, a guaranteed loss against Utah. It's time we beat those
1: fellas. Uh, yeah, amen and amen. So <laughs> BYU is the only team, Mitchell, in the country to play four Power Fives to start the season. We've talked about it a lot, and we should. It's it's a tough haul. Three or four at home, though. What what would be an acceptable record in those first four for BYU? In your opinion?
8: I mean, that's that's hard to answer because obviously you. Hey, want... take off
1: the player cap, bro. Let's go. You, you want
8: four <laughs> and <laughs> um, but you know, we, you know, we had this question, I I mean, back when I was a player, we, we had, you know, front loaded schedules where, um, you know, it's like, Hey, if BYU can get through September, um, at three and two, or, you know, in the first four games, they can just split them, go even two and two, then, you know, that's a, that's, that's a great start to the season. And, and I think, you know, fans will be on board for that. So I would say, you know, in the first four games, let's go two and two, beat Utah, uh, be the Tennessee, Washington, or USC, and then put up good fights against the other two if you are going to lose them, and just to show that hey, BYU is here to compete. They can win big games, um, and and to really just project them for the rest of the season. And um, I mean, we are you know favored the rest of the season, and and I think that's just uh, if you go two and two, I think you could look at a pretty good record um, there on out, and and just a good step forward from last year. Uh, kind of just those stepping stones to to get back to where BYU needs to be as a program.
2: So, Mitch, my my concern with a, a schedule like this that it's, that's you know uploaded in the front is just the emotion. Um, you know, when I played and, and we played against Oklahoma or Florida State or where the case was, it was easy for us to get up because we knew we just had those two or three big giants. Um, you know, as a player, when when, when you played, uh, is it does it start to I guess. Um, be normalized to where you don't get that emotion, and and we saw it last year, right? And is with, that a good thing or bad? thing? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because because last year is a great point with Wisconsin, and then what happens? you go to Washington, and it's not even like they even competed. So you know, with your experience, um, you know, how did you how did you play, and and how were you guys able to to get up emotionally?
8: Yeah, for for me personally, and and I know a lot of guys felt this way every time you step on the field i mean you should have the mindset that i mean this could be the last time i i play in a football game and i'm going to give it my all and and play like play like it's my last and and so that's really the mentality that these players need to have because it's true i mean we beat wisconsin last year we were on an you know emotional high you could say and then you go into washington and just get almost embarrassed um, with how that game went and and a lot of that could reflect on we were just, you know, so pleased with the with the Wisconsin game that who really cares what happens after that? And that's just a mindset that the players cannot have um, going into the season. And, and it is difficult, but you know, we talk of this this Power Five conference entrance if we can get into a Power Five conference. But those teams, I mean, they're playing big game after big game, and if we want to, you know, if BYU wants to prove that they're Power Five capable. I think powering through these you know, these front-loaded games to what, um, really, if we're in a Power 5 conference, what the entire season could look like, I mean, this is something that that the team has to be able to overcome and and be able to have that mindset and uh, to know that, hey, every game is a dogfight and every game I've got to be at my best and we've got to be at our best as a team uh, to compete um, in a Power 5 conference. That's, you know, that's the destination we want to go to.
1: That would definitely be ideal, yet I think if BYU goes 500, we'd all be happy, right? I feel like 2014 is probably the model for BYU football. And I've said, Mitchell, a bunch. I go, these schedules are too tough. I don't know what we're doing. If BYU doesn't win 10+, plus, I don't think it matters nationally. In 2014, you you start the season 4-0 and and are ranked 19th. You're an integral part of that. There are two power fives there. You had quality, Houston. Uh, you go to Connecticut on the East Coast and win big. I feel like that would be more of the model for BYU if they want to make a splash. Because right now we're talking about if you go 500, sweet. <laughs> what we should be saying is BYU needs to start the season 3-1. and one. How do you feel about it, given that you were on kind of the last team to, to get out in front? I, last year was 3-1, and one, of course. But then you lose to Washington and Utah State. So how do you feel about it?
8: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. You know, I want to I want to run the table. I want I want to win all four. Um, but uh but yeah, I mean, with that said, it, it's true. If you want to make a statement, if you want we want to put BYU back on the block, it's, it, the the mediocre two and two just it isn't good enough. Um, and and so I I completely agree. I think if BYU goes three and one, if they can go four and zero, oh, then they're in some serious conversation for. You know, is this the BYU team that that's um, that we've kind of let go of in the in the past, and you know, I was on that 2014 team, and, and that was a fun ride. I mean, we went four and zero, and and it, it's just fun to be a part of as a player. You're, um, you're you're laughing more in the locker room. You're you're smiling more. Guys are guys have more of a pep in their step, and, and it's just it's just a fun time. And and I definitely think that that's I mean that's the goal. And, um, I mean, it's definitely doable. They've got some great athletes. We saw great promise at the end of the year last year with Zach and in um, the offense and the defense coming alive. And so they've got the pieces, and, you know, it's just up to them to put it together and, and make a nice little run in, in September.
2: It reminds me of uh, what Bronco used to say to us, that, you know, winning is fun. So It's the most so go win. Nothing <laughs> else should matter more. So go win. Nothing else. So, to have some fun. Um, Mitch, what you said as far as the the pieces there, you know, the hearts there, the passion, obviously the desire, fan base, etc. Um, but it, but it seems like BYU is more productive. They have more success when they are on the attack. Um, you know, specifically, you know, airing the ball out, uh, letting the playmakers go up and, and and make these these catches and these plays. Um, you know, based off of uh, what you've seen uh, the last two games. Um, is BYU a a better team in offense when they're more pass-heavy? You know,
8: I, I honestly think they are. And, uh, you know, obviously that depends on, you know, the receivers and tight ends need to step up. And even the running backs out of the backfield need to prove that they're playmakers and that they can, um, you know, Zach can trust that when he is going to throw a 50-50 ball that they're going to come down with it. And as long as they can build that, I think BYU is strongest when they can air it out. And we even saw that, you know, not just with the passing game, but what we did in the bowl game in Idaho last year, um, you know, we saw the perfect game by Zach, but that opened up some serious running lanes for Riley Burt. And he was, um, you know, he rushed for over a hundred yards in that game. And, and so that's just, it just goes to show you, when you have a strong passing attack, it's going to open up all fields, you know, all areas of the field. And, um and, and to open up those running lanes, we've got some, you know, great potential at running back this year with some, uh, with some new, you know, recruits coming in and, um, Lopini coming back healthy and strong. And so I, I just think you've got the offense, um, to be, you know, to have the mindset of we're going to attack. We're going to throw it downfield. We need explosive plays to be, um, you know, to put up points. And, and so I think, yeah, I think they air it out. I think they build off of the last couple of games of last season. and um, and just be a powerful, powerful offense.
1: Well, hopefully it is. And out of the gate against Utah August 29th. Mitchell, we appreciate the time, man, and uh, great insight. Thanks.
8: Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate it.
1: That was Mitchell Juergens on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Uh, Cougar stats weighs in. I always appreciate their look at things, uh, (laughs) statistically and otherwise. BYU isn't a better team when they pass more. They're a better team when they pass more efficiently. Agreed. The two aren't necessarily mutually exclusive because a team which passes efficiently will tend to throw more than otherwise. But when BYU has been that team that throws it 50 times or whatever, they've yeah. not been good. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm calling for balance. I'm just saying I think BYU needs to throw the ball a little more. I think yeah. that's Zach's strength. And, and you can do that when the best player of, on the offense is a quarterback.
3: Give Wilson the rock. Yes. Yeah. Yes, let him keep it. Yes, for sure. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
1: Looking to kind of get back into the NCAA tournament. One way to do that, go to the Maui invite, beat UCLA, play uh, Kansas and so on. And to comment on that is men's basketball assistant coach Cody Figger on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Cody, how you doing, brother?
9: I'm doing great. How's everything going?
1: We're great. We're just talking about nonsense in July, you know, getting our free <laughs> slurpees today. We'll see.
9: Where where
1: are you today on the recruiting trail?
9: Today I'm in Birmingham, Alabama.
1: Well then. Nice. Okay. How's how's the weather? How humid is it in Alabama today? It,
9: it is it is really hot. It is really hot outside.
4: So um, are you planning to get a Slurpee then? But,
9: no, no, probably not a Slurpee. Trying to trying to to be healthy. As healthy as I can. So cold water. Right
1: <laughs> okay. Obviously, the news came out this morning. Uh, we found out the potential matchups. The first one: BYU and UCLA, November twenty fifth, in the Maui Invite. What do you think of that first game?
9: We, we, we are really excited about it. I mean, um, I mean, being able to play UCLA, you know, such a prominent program. And uh, Coach Cronin just got there. I think it was in April when he was hired. Or uh, he's an incredible coach. You know. Uh, did an unbelievable job at Cincinnati. Um, so, so we'll see how it goes, but, but we're really excited to play it. Um, I have not studied the opponents, uh, yet, but I know a couple of their guys, um, a couple of their recruits, because we were, we were kind of looking at them a little bit. Um, you know, just obviously playing against, uh, different kids we were recruiting, but, but they, they're going to be a good team. So we're, we're excited about the their opportunity.
2: Coach, when you guys accept uh, an invite to a tournament like this, what's uh, the overall goal um, when you guys are are going in and uh, you know wanting to, to leave from it?
9: Uh, for us, the, the, you know, the overall goal is um, obviously to win every game. <laughs> um, but but no, to get better, you know, to get better, to see our players improve. Um, but this is the best tournament over that time. I mean, when you think about all the great tournaments, the Mali Invitational is the best um, that everyone wants to see, everyone wants to watch. This is going to be my third time over there going to the tournament, uh, this Mali Invitational. Um, but, but it's definitely just to see our guys improve and come together and play some big-time programs.
1: It's unique now because, let's say you beat UCLA, you're likely to match up with Kansas, uh, you know, against Chaminade there. Um that's a quad one game. No matter what, you benefit whether you win that game or not. Yet the opportunity there is to win a big game and make a splash. So, at a, at a minimum, you've got an opportunity to get a couple quad twos, maybe maybe a quad one or two in this thing.
9: No question. Yeah, I mean, there's some great programs. I mean, Georgia, Virginia Tech, Michigan State is what are, aren't they a top five team? Too? Yes. Yep. Uh, they might be number one in the country right now, or, and then. Uh... <laughs> Um, you know, yeah, Dayton, Georgia. I'm just reading the list quick. Virginia Tech. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be an incredible tournament. Obviously, Kansas, we're really looking forward to hopefully getting a chance to play them too.
2: Coach, the, the good thing from an analyst's perspective is that you guys will, you know, have some games prior. Um, the, the matchup with UCLA will be game six of the season. Um, what, what needs to happen in those games for you guys to be ready uh, to take on a, a team like UCLA?
9: Well, we need to be playing really good basketball. You know, hopefully we'll be playing our best basketball at the end of the year. But uh, we, we've got so many seniors this year. we got eight seniors, and we're just looking forward to, you know, we got that tournament in Italy. So we're going to find out a lot about ourselves this, this summer here, August 16th. And then when, when we get to this Maui Invitational, we'll be able to see um, – before we get there, how, how we are defensively, um, what we're able to do, um, and then offensively, how well we move the ball and share it and play for each other. And, um, you know, you know, we don't have certain goals right now, um, set for that specific time. Um, but we hope we're going to be playing great basketball, but, for UCLA, we, we want to beat them. Like, you know, we're, we're, our plan is to go here and beat those guys. And, um, yeah, I hope, I hope that makes sense. Make some sense
1: there, absolutely, of course. of course, yeah, yeah, you want to uh shut the eight clap up, right <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah, you can't none of that, right, um, what's going on in summer practices right now as you guys continue to uh, get to know these guys better and develop and put in your systems uh, as you prepare for the season in a couple of months,
9: so for these practices, um we're spending a lot of time defensively putting in how we're gonna guard ball screens um. And how you know our shell half court concepts. We haven't really gotten into our transition defense yet, um, but those are the main two things we're, we're working on. And we just started a little bit more for rebounding, and, and uh, you know we spend a lot of time shooting. You know uh, that's another thing we, we spend a lot, ton of time on to make sure our guys are in the gym a ton. Spend time shooting. And we've got, added a little bit of transition offense and a little bit of, a little bit more passing. Um, so, you know, it's really simple stuff we're working on
1: right now. I know the non-conference schedule is close. Is that expected to be announced in the next little while?
9: I'm hoping, I'm hoping within the next two weeks. Okay. We've got two games left to get, one exhibition, and one of our non-conference games. But it's going to be a really, really tough, really challenging schedule. But uh, our guys will be able to compete. We're We're really excited about it.
1: Is there any scenario where that schedule is too tough? Uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. With with, with our
9: eight seniors, our you know our older group, uh, you know they've been doing this. They know what the challenge is like. You know, if we had freshmen and sophomores, I'd, I'd be a little bit nervous about it. But we got some older guys that that are ready to go, ready to compete. You know. You know, Jake Toulson, graduate transfer, Yoli coming back, TJ's going to have a heck of a heck of the year, Nick Emery, you know, and then then our sophomores, all oh, those guys are stepping up. You know, Zach Stelius has had an unbelievable summer so far, so has Dalton Nixon. Um, so we're, we're we're really excited about this group.
1: What's well, exciting? We can't wait for that. We know the matchups in the West Coast Conference. Don't know the dates yet, but uh, we look forward to it. And uh, good luck in Birmingham, Alabama, on the recruiting show. Need some good food, man.
9: Will
1: do. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Cody. That's Cody Figger on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Good to know what the guys are working on. And uh, Zach Selyus and Dalton Nixon yeah. had, have had unbelievable summers. You That's know, fantastic. Coaches don't usually like to
2: say that out loud because they don't want their players' head
1: to get – too big. So usually when I coach, they say that publicly. That could be a confidence a good, boost for those yeah. guys who didn't have, I think, the years they wanted last yeah, year. So that's sure. that's good. Definitely, news. definitely. Just hard work equals success. That's the formula of life. Amen. Just remember that, Jeremy. Amen.
3: The best of BYU Sports Nation. will be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week. Here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars draw UCLA, as mentioned in the Maui
1: Invitational. Winner gets Kansas. Uh, I have to mention Shamana, too, I guess. (laughs) After that, BYU would play uh, one of these four, win or loss. Georgia, Dayton, Virginia Tech, or Michigan State. Kansas, by the way, and Michigan State kind of 1-2 and in a lot of projections going into next season. Brian, did BYU get the perfect bracket in Maui? Uh,
2: Nothing is perfect. Uh, You know, just... Only know one person or situation that was perfect, but for this situation, I think so. I think it's the best that you can possibly get. I think uh, when you look at UCLA uh, going into this game with being a very winnable team, right? You can you can or winnable game um, just weren't really that good last year, uh, but they do have a good brand, right? Um, Absolutely,
1: but yeah, they and, were they and, were one fourteen in net. BYU was eighty eight by comparison, and
2: and and so when you look at coaching changes that they have now, granted BYU does as well, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, you know whenever you're going against a, a bigger brand school or you know just kind of on paper maybe or, or just uh, in the national spotlight, uh, they're supposed to have better athletes. Whatever the case is, anything that you can get to kind of um, you know help you with the edge, I, I, I think you know, you, you'll go ahead and take it. And and so with all that in, into consideration, I think this is the best situation for BYU. Now, because of that, it's, it, it's a winnable game. It's a winnable game. You yeah, look absolutely. at what's coming up next, right, which is Kansas, mm-hmm. and you now have an opportunity to
1: take down the number one team. But even if you don't in college basketball, and this is the beauty of playing three times as many games as college football, just playing that game will be a benefit to BYU. That's guaranteed to be a quad one on Selection Sunday when BYU is likely going for an at-large bid, right? You're hoping to get a couple, a quad one and a couple quad twos at worst. Yeah. BYU's got to beat UCLA get, in that game. By the way, this will be game six of the season. The schedule's not officially out, but that'll be game six, seven, and eight. And it's on ESPN. It's in Hawaii. It's the week of Thanksgiving. It's going to be a great week. Well, I, I wish we – we talked
2: about this, you know, earlier this go? week. With, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah I, you know, you and Spencer <laughs> and Jason will go for it. There we go. <laughs> but, but we talked about this with, with football, right, and the, the Utah game, and we wish that we had some type of exhibition. We love that it's the first game, but why can't we play like a junior college team or something like that just to kind of get it – You know, some It's a, called an FCS. Yeah, yeah, same yeah Idaho, but, same. As, but not as a first game, right? And so well, you to, could. For,
1: you was choosing not to.
2: But – you, you kind of have an opportunity to iron out some of the wrinkles, right, in game-like situations. So you kind of get all of that to prep for, you know, this stage.
1: Oh, the summer's ripe with projections and prognostications as we look ahead to one of the main points of, of life, mm-hmm. the football season. Follows life. ESPN's Football Power Index is out. Numbers crunched by nerds to give a predictive look at the season. We love nerds. BYU's an underdog in all four of the first four. In fact, a dog, as in only one game, has BYU with a 40% or a better uh, chance of winning. It goes 40% against Utah, uh, 19% against Tennessee, 45% against USC, and 36% against Washington. Is that completely unfair that is a dog in the first four? Um, I think it's fair. I think it's
2: 100% fair. When you look at the metrics, right, and the numbers and, and how the nerds come up with these stats, I think, I think you com- it's, it's very easy for you to compare and to calculate and crunch. Um, you know, I think that there's certain things that you can't measure, and and algorithms can't uh, take into account as far as maybe injuries happening prior. Um, right, but as it home, stands, home, yeah, but as it but as it stands, but as it stands, it's fair.
1: Okay, I I think it's fair that BYU is not a favorite in any of the four. I I don't think BYU should be a favorite in any of the four. This is a seven and six team that returns a lot. They certainly should be better, but. Utah and Washington, BYU should be a dog and a big dog. Tennessee, 19%. You're telling me out of the first four, the worst win percentage chance BYU has at Tennessee, the second worst SEC team in the last two years? (laughs) Arkansas is the worst? I don't get that number. I don't get that at all. I think that's BYU's best shot. At, at winning one of the first four, perhaps, right? I think perhaps USC is that one. We're always scared of USC speed. Like, USC could be a 10-win team, poof, like that any yeah. year. It feels like if they just get their stuff together, they could be good. I think the Washington game is the least likely for BYU to win because of where it stands and who they are. Yeah. It's the fourth Power 5 game in a row. That's tough. always losing that game if it's a mediocre power five just because yeah. of the pounding BYU will take Maybe in the first even, four. Even if it's, a top first G, three.
2: if it's a top G5 school, let's say like a Boise or whatever the case is, it's, they still have it. It's still, it's still going to be yes, hard to win.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the top G5s are middle of the pack power five equivalents in terms of how they play. Um, right, right. I, yes. So you're telling me that... BYU has a three times better chance almost to beat USC than Tennessee. Yeah, so like, when, that is stupid. When, no. When, 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 no. When
2: I played, and even a little bit after that, when, when BYU went independent, and we would look at the schedule, and when we would see a, a team like a Tennessee or how about a, like a like an Ole Miss, right, mm-hmm. or uh, Mississippi State, we as analysts, as as fans, as players, we go in looking at the schedule like, oh, yeah, we, we can win this game.
1: That's one, and, of, that's one of those games. you could because it was one of, mm, I don't know, two yep. good non-conference games. Yep. Now BYU has all of them non-conference. Yeah. And they're all tough and they're all in a row. So it's, it's just hard. But what's the highest win percentage out of those first four? That's our stat of the day.
3: It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. It's
1: USC. 45.4% the highest win percentage BYU has in the first four games. So ESPN says... Uh, In the FBI, or Football Power Index, the best chance of winning against one of those first four is USC. I I, I mean, on paper, I get that one. I get that one. Utah's going to be tough, but look, 40%? To me, that's interesting. Utah, man, I thought that. You know how I feel about rivals. Yeah, it is,
2: You throw everything out the window. Everything. Well, Utah would argue that
1: you can throw your chance of
2: winning out the window. Right? Well, you know because what? I was in the last team that beat Utah, so I could talk as much smack as I want to. That's
1: exactly right. <laughs> and it's pathetic that you were on the
2: last team. Come on! I still have yeah. something
1: to hold on to still. Yeah. Uh, but first, how many days until the first game again? Countdown
3: to the youths.
1: 52 days. 52. Woo! Number 52. Our boy Trevor Maddich, center on the national championship team, All American, played in the NFL from 85 to 96. Trevor's the man. The man. Joined us like in Nashville, uh, what, seven weeks ago? Really? Yeah.
2: You guys had some nice. that when you guys had the dinner and you guys were sending us pictures of he, the food and the plates?
1: He wasn't uh, mm-hmm. there for that, but we wish he was. That's, yeah, that's, I still remember it. <laughs> I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. <laughs> 51 days. Hey, tomorrow's 50. How about that? Does it feel close? You feeling good? Yeah, I feel. I just count down the days, man. I can sense it. Like Like in Provo, there's a little buzz. Like mm, fall camp. Go yeah, play. yeah. I'm,
2: you know what? It's 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 different. When I see red, like my senses are heightened. I'm on I'm on alert. Not because it's just red, but yeah. It's it's like I'm like well, you know. And, and then when I see somebody wearing a Utah shirt, I'm talking smack. You know, I'll be in line. And we could be at, at the grocery store getting food or whatever. I'm like, you
1: guys are going down. Bam. Bring on the Utes! 49 days! Seven weeks from today, we'll have a two-hour countdown to kickoff on BYU TV starting at 8 Eastern. It'll actually go two hours and 15 minutes. I, what? I've been waiting for this my whole And of course, life. BYU Radio, they always go two hours. Yeah. I'm so excited. Good job, man. Very nice! Good job on doing
2: that.
3: I appreciate you more than you know. Well, we'll see how it goes. That. <laughs> <laughs> Stay up to date with The Countdown. Every weekday on BYU Sports Nation, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Her name's Mary Lake. She's a libero for BYU,
1: but she's brought a gold medal from the World Championships with Team USA. First off, congratulations on one making the team and two, you played a bunch and then you guys win the gold. That
5: was amazing. Thank you. What,
1: Thank you. How do you <laughs> how do you sum that whole experience up? And we'll dive into some of the details, but generally,
5: um, really outside of my comfort zone. Lots of interesting food, lots of jet lag, but ultimately just volleyball's volleyball, and I learned to love the girls. And it's a really neat experience playing not just different teams but different countries and how. Each country has their own style, and it was kind of like a surreal experience that I never thought I'd be able to be a part of.
1: Were you the only collegian on the team?
5: There were two others. Okay, two others. Yeah, Jordan Thompson and Dana Retke.
1: Are they going to be seniors? Uh,
5: Jordan is. Dana's going to be a junior. Okay, so you weren't the youngest? Yes. So that's a good thing because the trophy that we got, the youngest has to carry it around the airport. (laughs) (laughs) I went back, and I was like, Dana, I love that you're here. I'm only like, Three months older than her but i'm like thank you for being here i do not want to carry that around awesome. yeah
2: what, what does that do for your confidence i mean being you know one of the the youngest and and playing at that level um
1: are you head growing a little bit <laughs> i think you no. have topper status over all
2: your
5: teammates are, you now know, right hair volume um
1: no
2: hair.
5: i know <laughs> i'm like thanks and I'm, like, you. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding um I think it was just a different perspective of like different level of volleyball and it showed me the things I really want to get better at and I don't know I don't think anything ever really (laughs) puffs up my confidence too much but it was cool realizing that these girls want me here and that the coaches Mm -hmm. want me there and that they think I have something to bring which I never really thought I would at that level and so that was an interesting experience but it it does makes me like anxious and want to come back and be with my BYU team and get to know them and to start playing with them. So
1: I know there's work to do in this in this vein, but this sets you up to potentially make the Olympic team, doesn't it? Huh? Next um, year, to be yeah. in the mix at least, right?
5: Yeah, just be considered as cool. So I don't know. I don't know what their coaches are thinking, but
1: you're, you're being low key about it. Mary Lake <laughs> is going to have a chance to go to the Olympics next year, and it's going to be awesome. Um, okay, let's dive into the whole experience. So. Uh, walk us through which countries you went to again.
5: Okay, so we went to Bulgaria first. Love Bulgaria, big fan. Um, and then Italy, and then China. Oh, no. And then Lincoln, Nebraska, we flew back.
1: And incredible crowds, right?
5: Yeah. Nebraska. What Nebraska, what Nebraska
1: does with volleyball is awesome.
5: Yeah, incredible. And there are a couple Almost girls. Almost as good as what we do. Not quite as good <laughs> as what we do, but there are a couple of girls that were on the team that are kind of like, they call one of the girls Gov, Jordan Larson because the governor. Like, she's governor oh, of nice. Nebraska. Like, like Everyone, we went to the coffee shops, and people were, it was a really cool experience, just how great of a fan base they had. Um, and then we went back to China, we went to China, and then Russia, and then you get a week off for the finals, and then we went back to China for the finals.
1: Okay, in the midst of this, something happens with your passport. Tell us the story. Because you, you weren't on the team the next week, and we thought, oh, she's getting a break. That wasn't the case.
5: So we flew from oh, – this is such an embarrassing thing. <laughs> we flew from China to Russia, and I got on the airplane, and I had my passport, and then I got off the airplane. We take a shuttle to customs, and we're on the shuttle. I'm not – my zipper's undone down on my backpack. Not sure if it got stolen or if it got left on the plane, but either way, my dad always – whenever I – I'm sad about it. My dad's like, either way, it got stolen. So (laughs) don't hate yourself too much. But so I was in the middle between Russia and China. And it's like I hadn't gotten into Russia yet, but I had exited China. And so the Russian airport was telling me I had to go back to China alone. And they were making like my coach and everyone go through because they're like, you have no problems. You have to go. And so I wait in a Russian airport all night. Alone and sad. It was no. like sad music in the background. And <laughs> yeah. but and then I wake up in the morning, and they're sending me to LAX. So that was the story is I went to LA, and I trained with the coaches there. I got a new passport, long, messy thing, and then I went back to China.
1: What was that like emotionally? Like kind Do of- I
5: look? Do I... That's why I was shocked about the hair thing, because if anything, it's like a lot has fallen out.
1: <laughs> You're alone sleeping overnight in a Russian airport.
5: Yeah, it was an experience. I definitely like, grew up a little bit. Maybe I'm not as chipper as I used to be. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You've it, seen the
1: world. You've been Yeah. It, That's incredible. It's like
5: a lesson to everyone out there don't lose your passport ever. Um, but it, I probably should have had better handles on it. But it was. They reminded me that I wanted to be there and I wanted to be with the team and the girls were telling me they missed me and I missed all of them and so it sucked but live life and yeah that's wild that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, really that's, wild. that's
2: crazy out of all the places that you traveled which one really sticks out to you the most
5: um I so how the tournament works is they have a roster of like 24 and they brought younger girls to play and then you bring in new ones and you switch out just so that the tournament's not all that long and that hard on people. I was there for seven weeks and the libero was liberos were there for the whole time, but um so the first week was with younger girls and we were in Bulgaria and it was the first time we had been on the tournament and it was just kind of like we look back and have a list of memories that we loved and in Bulgaria we went outside of the hotel, everyone was outside, and there was kind of like a center, and there were kids running around, and so that aspect really sticks out in my mind. Italy was Italy, and it was just like grand, and I'd never been before. Um, but yeah, every place has something. I just have like really good memories of the first couple of weeks because it was fresh and it was new, and I really love the countries, so.
1: We're talking to Mary Lake, libero for BYU and Team USA. And it would have been amazing had you not even made the final, not won anything. Like, it still would have been cool, I think, in a lot of ways. But you play Brazil in the final, you go down two sets to none, and you win in 5-15-13. Describe Great. the drama of winning the game.
5: <laughs> The drama. Well, it's funny because any time you play a team like Brazil, which is...
1: Kind of the rival, right? Like, they're Yeah, really and they're, good. they're
5: really good. And... They have a lot of – they play with a lot of emotion, and so when they're on, they're really on, and you have to, like, figure out how to manage them, and it took us a little bit of time to, like, figure that out and to work through some of our kinks, but I just remember even in the third set, I just – we all had this feeling like we'll be fine. We just need to get our stuff together, and we did, and I just – keep reliving the last couple points of the fifth set and it was like what's happening like what just happened it felt like the game went by really quickly because we were just down and then we came started playing better and I look back and I'm still kind of like I can't believe that happened like I'm talking to the other girls and we kind of have this view of that was like a dream so
1: and you had your sprite amid their champagne
5: yeah, I still <laughs> celebrated with some bubbly, just not some fermented bubbly.
1: Can we can we see
3: this?
5: Yeah, it? This is the v- volleyball nations
1: it. league gold medal. Yeah, Mary didn't bring this in. We asked her to bring it in. Your coach was Karch cry, the Michael Jordan of volleyball. Yeah, one of your assistants is Lucas Labe, former player and assistant coach here. At I like, love so Luca. fun. Right? Thank you. And, you and meanwhile, if I'll, you want,
5: okay. you put it on. It's kind of heavy. Watch Heather Knighting
1: and Kennedy Eschenberg and Ronnie Jones Perry getting Team USA yes, experience. So yes, so awesome. Uh, Everybody coming back, but RJP really exciting. Congratulations, Brian! Give it back during she, the break. She said I could wear Yeah. Well, d- during the break. Yeah. I had uh, I had oh, guard silver medal for like a whole afternoon one time randomly. Oh
5: wow! Which was he trusted kind of, me with that?
1: I don't know why. <laughs> you, yeah. you like lost it. Well, congratulations! Let's give you some karma for the off season. Get ready for okay. the season, which is you play games in like five weeks. Yeah. I think right yeah. six weeks. So
3: okay. Well, congratulations and thanks Thank for you. coming
5: in. Thank you so much for yeah. having me.
3: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
1: His name's Blaine Fowler, BYU TV uh, basketball and football analyst. Blaine, great to have you
6: on set. It's good to be here. Summertime, we're getting ready for football. We can talk basketball. We,
1: yeah, let's, let, let's talk about it and let's go there right away. What's your proudest moment to be a BYU Cougar ever?
6: Obviously, I have a little bit of personal tie to the 84 National Championship team, so I think that game against Michigan, even though Michigan was... They were a great defensive football team. Preseason, they were really, really good. They had a lot of injuries on offense. Jim Harbaugh is Jim was out dude <laughs> yeah, on the Jim was out at the time. So, but uh, there's a moment in that game that is just vivid in my mind. So it wasn't a play that I, that I actually played, and I had just thrown a completion for a first down, and they were measuring it. And I remember in my head thinking... You know, my dad always told me to enjoy the moment. So in front of 70,000 people at Qualcomm, we're playing for a national championship. I'm in the game. I step out of the huddle and I just go just like this. And I, I did a full 360 and looked at the whole crowd and I went, man, this is really cool. And I enjoyed it for a minute and I thought, nah, nah, to get back to it. And then Glenn Kozlowski was running in with the play. <laughs> we got the play and we ran the next play. But I'll always remember that, that I remembered what my dad said. You got to enjoy it when you're in the moment. And most of the time, we don't think to enjoy the moment. Yeah. But we had a little pause in the action. And, and I remember that in my head, dad said. And I was like, so I'll enjoy the moment. I, re- I remember it, it playing.
2: That's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great story. I, my 360 view, uh, so mine was obviously the win with, with Oklahoma, against Oklahoma. My 360 view was different. When I walked out, I remember seeing a small little blue sliver, right, of crowd. And I was like, "Mama!" And then I kept running and kept looking around, and, I, and it was all red. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I, was on the side, I was on the sideline of that game, the, <two-on-s2> um, the Oklahoma <laughs> game, and I remember watching Oklahoma's offensive line walk out, and I thought, whoa, that's what NFL offensive linemen look like. All of oh, them. Oh, yeah. Like 10 of them. And, and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if we stand a chance against these guys. All, and,
2: all, all of the, even ranked 20th. And, and we played them, you know, all, all toe the, to toe. All the, the the junior college transfers huddled up and said, "This is very scary that all of the DB, all the corners in the DBs are literally." Three feet taller than all receivers. Yeah, it's, it's, it was <laughs> <crazy>. literally three <laughs> feet. The,
6: the, <laughs> the, the scary moment for me was we were coming out of the tunnel. We had already done our warm up and you go back in, and then the crowd started to fill in at Georgia between the hedges. We're playing at Maybe Georgia. Maybe two. Herschel Walker in that group. Steve Young's playing. Mm-hmm. He's a young quarterback. He's gonna throw a bunch of interceptions in that game. Tom Holmes gonna have a right. Tom Holmes gonna game. and almost get caught by Herschel running down. But <laughs> um. Didn't. But I remember coming out the last time. You know, before kickoff, and the place was full, and I could hear this like dull like. Oh, shit. Uh, I'm like I lean to Robbie and I go what are they saying and it's getting louder I uh, dog meat. Dog meat. Dog meat. And, and I, and, and I kind of got the chills. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And I remember thinking, this is big time. And I was the young, and I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm not playing right.
7: <laughs> this is
6: scary. It's scary. You're a so- redshirt freshman, I think. Yeah, and you know what? We played toe-to-toe with them in that game. Like, we lost by on a, on a last second field goal by Tony Butler, who kicked for the Bears for a long time. And and, and Steve had a, struggled in that game through a bunch of interceptions. He was growing up at this that time. junior Steve. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. but we still to toe with those guys. And so, you know, B- BYU's capable of playing. You know, you guys won that Oklahoma game. We stood toe to toe with Georgia in that game. I mean, l- look at just hey, Wisconsin Techn- on Techn- roads. Texas Techn- you know? and And so, so, BYU's very capable of standing toe to toe with those types of teams. And you remember those games. Those yeah. are memorable games. That Oklahoma game, I didn't play. I was on the sideline, but I remember it well. You're saying, oh, shoot, we're going to
1: lose. And then Max is running – Hall is running in at halftime going, we're going to win! Yeah. At that, so at that yeah. point, are you feeling that same vibe as Max Oh, oh yeah. halftime in Oklahoma? After, after the
2: second series, I think we went – the first one, they got a, a first down. The second one, I think we went three and out. We came back and we were like, oh, yeah, we're going to win. And Max so – it, it changed. Oh, yeah it, oh there, yeah, it changed. This is before halftime. times are gone. This is before halftime. You're good. So we so, were like – we, we were so prepared – it was crazy. We, we already knew what they were doing. We were calling out their plays. I mean, the hardest part was literally hearing each other just because that's how loud it was.
6: Re- really good teams, and this is what I remember this playing. I remember it as they get ready for the big games now. Like, Wisconsin is a perfect example of that. When you play great teams, they look at you on film, and they don't do crazy things. They don't do trick plays. They nope. go, we're good enough to beat you. We're going to manhandle your line of scrimmage. So they typically line up and play football. And so if you scout them well, they're not going to do anything that you don't expect. you got to get up enough to stand up to them physically. And and that's always been the case. When when BYU steps up and plays these big, big big-name teams – they're not going to come and try to trick BYU. No. And so BYU's got to come with a few wrinkles of their own, and then they have to stand toe-to-toe. But, but see, you need game, a guy like Max, right? Yeah. You, uh, that yeah. thinks
2: that you can just win every game, like you, Max. Is. Yes. you, you got to have a leader to follow behind. Because once he – I mean, we felt that, but once we saw that, we were like, oh, yeah, Max said it. So And it's, he wasn't
6: words. He was words and deeds.
2: My, oh, yeah. My yeah, favorite yeah, story yeah, – Max
6: was just a sophomore, and Bronco was t- told me this story. It was like – um, there was a game, I wish I could remember the game, but BYU scored, and then the other team scored. And then BYU scored, and then the other team scored. And then BYU scored, and the other team scored. And then Max was walking by Bronco, and I think he was a sophomore, and he says to, the, to Bronco, uh, do you think we might stop him at any time tonight? Or we just Probably score Tulsa. Him? <laughs> yeah. And Bronco said his first thought was, you li- – and then he thought, oh, no, I kind of like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of like that edge that he has. I kind of like that he's playing with a chip on his shoulder and thinks he's just going to score every time if he needs to. And – and that's the way Max played. You got to play loose to play against those types of teams. You need a guy that just expects that he can play at that level and beat teams at that level.
2: I think that the, the thing that sticks out to me the most, you know, as we're going through the history, right, at the famous moments and the big teams, you know, the, we, we can match up because we come out and we're at the gates and we're physical, right? But when you look at the schedule, and this goes to to a little bit of your, of your concern. When BYU schedules the way that they are, how can you match up every,
1: every single, single week? Right? It's, I feel like, and you tell me, you played in the games. It was easier for you guys to get up for the big ones. Then, if you had stacked a bunch of those in a row, that would have been
6: physically demanding. Always, that's that's why our expectation was: we get we if we don't win eleven games, then what's wrong with us, right? Because yeah. we just had to go out of league and play a couple. The Boise know? State model, right? Yeah, and really. so and so now it's a little different expectation. I don't expect BYU to win eleven games this year. We can't not with this schedule, yeah. right? Um, they're more physical, you know. Right now, BYU, when I look at them defensively going into 2019, I feel like this can be a top-10 defense. But to be a top-10 defense, they have to stay healthy. They're deep on the offensive line. They're not deep at safety. They're not deep at linebacker. But they're really good at those positions to start. That's why it's nice to have Utah early. And maybe it's nice to play these four teams early. But if they can stay healthy you're your top ten defense, you can stay with every team, and then you got a chance to win at the end. Yep. And so that's when I look at this schedule. You guys have been talking about this FPI thing, and they're going, hey, they're going to lose the first four and win the last eight. I don't know if I agree with that. I think maybe the win totals probably right. I say to get at least one of those first four. At least. At least one of those first four. And I won't be flabbergasted if they get two. And then I don't expect them to win. I expect they're going to have a game where they're going to turn it over or do something stupid down the stretch. Because remember, they still have Utah State, Boise State, San Diego State, who are all really good programs in the back half of that schedule. Eastern Time's on I'm, the trip. I'm not I'm – not, if they lose a game down the stretch, I won't be surprised by that either. But – But to think that they go out and lose those first four, I would actually be surprised. Would you be surprised
2: if they won two out of the four? I won't be
6: surprised. surprised.
2: It won't be flabbergasted. I think that
6: that will be overachieving a little bit. I think one is a a good expectation. I think two um, is not out of the question. It's just too tough if that's the case. It's just too tough. I was talking before we came in here with Ben, our producer, and I was like, have you looked at USC schedule? Because I promise you USC is thinking, well, the only win we can chalk up is BYU. And they're thinking that's easy. And if they have, they're even right, thinking about BYU. They have BYU. Stanford the next week. They, go, fre- they start off with Fresno, who's ranked. They won 10 or 11 And And have been really year. good the last two years. Yep. And very capable of beating SC, who's been in shambles the last few years. Then they, go, then they play Stanford, then BYU, then Washington, and then Notre Dame. You think they were worried about BYU? Ooh. And they're no. coming to this stadium at elevation to play, so fresh off a win in Tennessee, I'm expecting them. <laughs> I'm expecting them to beat USC at home. Yeah, you know, and I and you mentioned the rivalry game's a 50 50 game. Utah's replacing three offensive linemen. I know they got Zach Moss, who's phenomenal, as good as anybody in the country, but three new offensive linemen and two backers are replacing two NFL line caliber linebackers. Mm-hmm. They're really, really good, but I think BYU, if they're good defensively and they're better offensively, Zach Wilson has that kind of mojo. Yeah. Max Hall he has that. that McMahon. He expects maxing. to win. Yep. Right? I'm not surprised if they beat Utah. That's a fifty fifty proposition. Always, I expect yeah. them to beat USC at home, and then then Washington and Tennessee will see. Two, two doesn't surprise me. If they if they don't win one of those first four, that will flabbergast me too. Yeah,
3: yeah and,
1: and that would really set back the season in an incredible way. Even if BYU won the next eight, it's like oh. But the four big ones, you didn't. So, you has got to go at least 500. I brought up the 97 Cotton Bowl win as my proudest moment as a Coug. Um I always bring up 96 as one of the all-time greats. Wait, do you feel like your 84 team was the best team ever? Because Spencer and I think maybe that 83 team is right there. And where
6: does 96 fit in all this? So, and I'm going to throw one more to you. Cause, because I think 93 is an unbelievably talented uh, uh, team. Uh, not 96, sorry, 96. 83 as well, and I played with those guys. Yes, um, really skilled offensively. Well, lost by four in the Here's 15. what people don't understand about 84. That was a lights out defense with two multi-year starting NFL outside linebackers and Kurt Govea and Leon White. You know, it, it, that was as good a defense as BYU's ever put on the field. Not, not, that 96 team was a good defense too. The other one I'm going to throw in there is 1980 Jim McMahon's team that beat SMU it's junior year, and and that team offensively. Was scary, and people don't realize how good SMU was back in those days. Yeah, I mean, when you're paying oh, guys that kind of money, about <laughs> when you're paying that kind of money for players, you're, you're gonna t- get t- good t- yeah. And you got know, Eric Dickerson, Craig James, and all those guys, but but that team offensively, because I watched that team on film a lot as we were preparing for games in 81 and 82, and I would just watch them on film and go, My goodness this had to be scary to be an opponent to play this yeah. team so offensively that's as good a team as I've ever seen and I would throw 80 in there with the with the greatest and um, I' don't know, if 96 and 84 played it would be a great game because I think 84 could play with anybody because of our defense
1: you're right we don't bring up 80 12 and one with a four point loss in Game one. That's the
6: wow. 83 scenario. Wow. That's the same yeah. situation. Phenomenal football team. And I watched them on film every single week because mm. that was the next year I came right. in. And people don't credit that team enough. And they they were
1: I'm really a, good. I'm about to now that I've noticed yeah. that they really, were 12-1. Really really so when
6: we talk yeah. about great teams, we've got to say 80. we got to say 83. We have to say 84. We have to say 96. Yes. You know, th- Those are all great teams. Um and, you, know, you got to have one or zero losses to be in the mix. Yeah. You have to, yeah. yeah. You do. Yeah. Yeah. The, and those, the two loss teams don't make it. Yeah. Those, don't. those are all great football yeah. teams. Well, great stuff.
1: Uh, we, I think we planned on other topics, but going down memory lane is nice. the yeah. best. Well, you get b and, and I in here. And and hey, great you know, stories, family, great memories.
3: Huh? Awesome. Appreciate the time. All right, guys. Thanks. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Sometimes words
1: don't adequately express how you feel about a thing, so that's why we're going to play Emoji This. Let's bring in Ben Bagley, who has some social media topics for us to break down. Ben, what's
3: first? Well, the first, by far and away, is the most pressing emoji, which is this one. Which represents everybody's thoughts when Jerem Jordan comes back from vacation with a yeah. mustache. This is a tradition
1: and should have been, should have been you know, predictable, right? I always do this. But the emoji
3: never changes. True. Let's get to you guys' first one. Donovan Mitchell repping the Y wearing BYU socks while on a trip in China. What do you think, Brian?
2: Cool. You have to describe it. Cool. Sunglasses. Radio Sun- is it su- sorry. Sunglasses. <laughs> It's the sunglasses emoji is cool. Smiley face, cool, chill. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool, man. It's cool to have any type of, I would say, celebrity or outside, um, you know, individual to rep BYU or acknowledge BYU at any
1: time. Yeah. So I think it's cool. Terrell it's Owens cool. wearing BYU stuff. Yeah, Donovan it's, Mitchell. It's I, cool, I go fire man. emoji. That's fire. That's stylish. He's wearing the socks. We still need Donovan Mitchell to come down to a, a football game. I know BYU's reached out. Uh, they want him to come down. They're going to give him some swag. Fessy Satake tweeted uh, "Adam, So, uh, D. Mitch, he's a guy, right? We should have him come in studio. Maybe he comes in studio, yeah. breaks it down. Uh, Elijah Bryant actually played against Donovan Mitchell in high school in Georgia, fun mm. fact. Okay, and, and Donovan did come to a basketball game.
2: Nice. And
1: uh, he actually kind of rubbed Yoli's head during an interview with Spencer after a game. And Yoli turns around and goes, hey,
3: that's Donovan <laughs> Mitchell. He kind of flabbergasted during his nice. rookie year. Awesome. Number two. Next one we've got is Zach Wilson hanging with Drew Brees. Mm. I'm gonna go with the the praying hands. He's he's throw He went to Southern California.
1: Had a Disneyland uh, part of excursion with that with the fam. Throwing with Drew Brees. It's not just Drew Brees, by the way. It's uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Blake Bortles. And, and I, I get the the
2: praying hands because I, I think this is a great sign of a I'd say a, a leader. Um, but for the fact that he's young, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most kids that age are out you know, chasing girls, trying to go to parties, whatever the case is, doing what kids his age do, right, normally. He's 19 but he, until next month. in, in, in 19 and having you know, the mentality of, of business first. You know, this is the opportunity. You know, let's seize the moment. Anytime I can get a chance to, to work and put the extra uh, you know, effort in, I'm going to do that. So that's why I put the praying hands because, yes, thank you. Thank you, baby Jesus, for <laughs> a leader like this.
1: <laughs> I go with the eyes. Uh, you know what Drew Brees does? He hangs out with BOA quarterbacks. He hangs out with Taysom Hill. Mm. And he hangs out with Zach Wilson. So that's awesome. Uh, Shout out to our guy, John Beck, who's been working with Zach Wilson for the last couple of years and uh, did some work last week with Zach. So that's awesome. I think it's fantastic. That's uh, only positive for Zacharias F. Wilson.
3: Number three. How about Mary Lake celebrating Team USA's Volleyball Nations League win with Sprite (laughs) in the locker room? The
1: rest of her teammates have champagne. She's got Sprite. Little Mary doing her thing, you know. I'm going to give it that many thumbs up for honor code
2: approved. <laughs> honor Appreciate code it. approved. Appreciate that. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> the part of the honor code I love. Hey, yeah. no, no compromise. <laughs> exactly. No, Even
1: when you win. The, yeah, the laughing emoji. Here she, here she is, you know, doing her thing, repping the Y in another way uh, yeah. in China celebrating a gold medal. That's right. Vern Law was a pitcher on the 1960 Pittsburgh Pirates team. He was a Cy Young winner, best pitcher. Not for one league, but both leagues. They win the World Series, and he actually injures himself trying to leave and escape while his teammates are trying to hold him down and maybe (laughs) spray champagne, and he's like, I'm not going to drink. He gets out of there, so another fun uh, fun story there. that's funny. Number
3: four. Side note, one of my first memories is watching the Celtics win the world championship with the team photo, everybody having a bottle of champagne while Danny Ainge had a can of Sunkist. There, there you go. <laughs> and the, the, the go. orange can stuck out greatly in the team photo. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, last one. Nick Emery getting married this weekend
1: heart yeah it's i i I go, I go a, the hard eyes congratulations heart. To Nick. yeah um this is his second marriage you know my my parents divorced that's always hard, so congratulations he's found uh you know someone someone wonderful in his life uh who has a child, so he's insta dad and he can embrace that and have a uh have a life he's had a hard uh uh road the last couple of years so yeah. excited for him on this new adventure
2: yeah that's that's yeah good luck and, and uh I can't say too much more about it, but uh yeah, it's always good to have, to find love. You know, the Bible says that love covers over a lot of things. So,
3: yeah. And it's correct. good to be in love. Mm, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. If you miss any of BYU Sports Nation throughout the week, you can
2: catch up by downloading the BYU SN podcast or tune into BYU Radio on Saturday at noon Eastern for the best of BYU Sports Nation, the best of Jerem, the best of Brian, me, Brian Logan, more Brian. Maybe a little bit, Spencer,
1: every now and then. Two hours of the best interviews, conversations from throughout the entire week. I'm hoping we get the rights to, you know, the Foo Fighters songs. Someone getting the best. (laughs) We we open with that. That'd be great. Welcome back. This is BYU Sports Nation, simulcast on BYU TV and the aforementioned BYU Radio. I'm Jeremy. He's Brian. If you missed the show live, as Brian mentioned, there's a podcast. There's a best of now. Six times a week, baby. Let's go. You can also watch on demand on BYUSN.com. Our next guest is a former player, lightly opinionated, his name's Hans Olson. He's now on 1280 The Zone in Salt Lake City for a long time now. How many years have you been doing that up in Salt Lake? Now? 12 years. 12 years. 12 years on 1280 The Zone. Yeah, that's, 12
7: years. It's funny you're talking about the best of. So you take the best of Hans and Scotty. We do three hours of radio every day. They trim it down about two and a half minutes, and you can have the best of two and a half minutes <laughs> podcast. It's a quick no, hitter. Yeah, it's awesome, man. It's a lot of fun. Been working with Scotty for uh, five years now, almost great guy. going into sixth and. And we're dominating on sports radio and having a blast.
1: It, my favorite redhead, that includes some of my in-laws. <laughs> He's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, okay, let's talk about the, the big question today for us. Um, what would you give up for BYU to be in a Power 5 conference? And, and I said I'd give up the national championship. I'd give up the Heisman yeah. Trophy because that doesn't do BYU any good now. It was great then. I love it. It was amazing. Guess what? The future is now. Yeah. I said I gave up my uh, left pinky toe.
7: Really? (laughs) Yeah. An entire toe? Yeah, I don't use it. Not part of it. What about the pinky off the hand?
1: Mm-hmm. What running lot? Mm-hmm. Nope, nope. nope.
2: So
7: first knuckle up, so you get to keep like just the stub of it.
2: You know, if I if I if I was settled down in my like my dating life yeah. and I wasn't looking for you know, not too weird, I would I you would yeah. need a pinky
7: to woo a woman. Right,
2: yeah, like that just I, I could just be a turn off. Like I, you know, he doesn't have a pinky, so I don't. That's a anywhere. deal breaker.
7: <laughs> my gosh, he's handsome, but
0: I can't deal with that pinky. I can't Do, match pinky. Up. Do you have two pinkies? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Hey, well, can you hold
1: my hand? Can you imagine us holding hands? It'll like, what? Okay, what I'll would what would you give up for Power Five inclusion for BYU? Anything,
7: my name in the record books at BYU in the history. I, I think any any name, any jersey on the on the stadium, all the jerseys on the stadium, anything it, it, to to be included in a in a Power Five conference, anything because like you said, the future is most important. So, when it comes to BYU records or names or championships or any of those things, then I'd give anything. If it came to anything personal, I wouldn't give nothing because it doesn't, no you know, to me, yeah. it's like, well, I'm not giving nothing of mine. Right. But I would give up my name. I'd give up uh, anybody else's name, anything. Yeah. They need to be in a power five. It's that important.
1: Here's my main concern with uh, the future in this this is out of BYU's control. I don't think that BYU can control whether they get into a Power 5. Now, BYU could certainly have a season that would push them into the conversation more, which UCF has, and most of the teams that got invited had a season to validate themselves. Ask Utah about 4 and 8 right, Hans? Mm. But there's other things that go into this, so I think BYU is what it is, and if they get invited, they get invited, which is kind of a worrisome feeling to me.
7: It is. It's worrisome, but it's also so important. You know, we are talking about what we'd give up. It's it's what you would get if you got it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know it's out of their hands. Yes,
1: the value is so high that it's so high. Yeah, We're yeah. talking
7: about $38 million checks, and I think we're just at the base of what we're going to get started in some of this new contract negotiation. It's going to re- reach into the 40s, 45s, and 50s. $50 million checks that are cut just on distribution. Um, I know that we're kind of waiting for news on BYU and the new ESPN contract. Every one of us is patiently waiting. We know it's close. We've been told it's close. We've been told it's imminent. It's going to happen. Um, but I would say high side, what is it, $10 million? You know, I know that
1: would be incredible. It would be incredible. Yes, like that'd be more than
7: the my AAC? my conservative kind of estimate would be somewhere between six and eight million. Like that's just kind of my thoughts on, on par with the AAC on what that contract is. Yeah. We're talking about teams now that are getting a thirty eight million close to forty million dollar check at the end of a at the end of a football season just on distribution. So BYU stands to gain so much from it. And it is like you said, Jeremy, it's completely out of their hands the only thing they can do to is is win mm-hmm. you know just win and win and dominate they've scheduled all these power 5 teams you got to win and dominate in order to win and, to win and dominate you got to spend and i know it's a private university so we can't see all their spending uh, i've talked to some of the staff that's left that's that was here before that's now gone and it sure doesn't feel like their spending was on par with the teams they're currently scheduling.
1: Spending specific to coaches' salaries, yeah. to facilities? What are you referring to? Yeah,
7: all those things. Okay. Yeah, just talking in in all those things and facilities and salaries.
1: So overall
2: resources. and Yeah, and and, yeah. and
7: Brian, I'm sure you've had those conversations. I know you were close with the staff that left, and I'm sure you've had those conversations yeah. with those guys. Um, I, I think BYU does a really good job of, of – Uh, limiting the amount of talk that goes on while people are here. But I've had a lot of great conversations with individuals that have left. And it's apparent to me that the spending isn't where it needs to be in order to succeed at the level you need to succeed for power five conference to look at you.
2: And and I've had those conversations too. And it's not necessarily a negative thing or a bad thing the way they say it. Um, Going to, you know, moving on and going to other programs, I think the goal and the perspective is much different, right? I mean, at other schools, you can say, we want football is everything, we want to pour all the money. You can't really do that here at BYU, right? Because the church and what the yep. main
1: overall goal and the mission is. It's a different mm-hmm. it's a, way yeah. of doing things. Right. Like, the Merit Center Annex was completely paid for before yeah. it was built. Well, which if, is sound financially. It is. It's great. But if you're going to push into the future, perhaps that's tough. And I get what you're saying. And right?
7: from what I understand, not only was it built... I think it's what is it five years out? Oh, it of, had money of money to set to itself. maintain. Yeah. I, th- I think I oh, think not wow. only do you have to build it, you have to have. I think it's a five-year plan of maintenance. Gosh,
1: I, 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 I thought they had it in uh, perpetuity. Oh, really? Which is incredible if that's the case, right? Yeah. But that was a challenge, and it t- Tyler Haas was told when he came to BYU, "Yeah, there'll be an annex when you get back from your mission." Yeah. It it barely got there for TJ Haas right yeah. for his <laughs> sophomore year, but. I I guess what you're alluding to is if BYU is going to level up, they're going to have to level up in other areas. Yeah, they got to play the challenge.
2: Now, now, one thing that we we said that they can control is is the wins, right? And I mean, if if the finances and the revenue isn't going to be there because the goals and, you know, it's just different objectives, don't you think having a winning record, and we talk about this all the time scheduling, you know, lighter opponents, you think that's going to be helpful?
7: So that's a tough one. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because is. if you schedule down, nobody's yeah. interested. I don't think ESP, you can have ESPN both, wouldn't right? be interested. Yeah. So I I feel like Tom has done an amazing job with the schedule. I actually just tweeted out the next two years of Power 5 conference teams that you play. And you see the SEC three times. You see the Big Ten three or four times. And they're times, coming to Provo. And you see the Pac-12. So he's done a fantastic job. I actually think that he's, his feet are being held to the fire a bit because – ESPN wants these big name games; otherwise, yeah. it's not intriguing to them. And we've all seen what happens, kind of later part of the season. Nobody cares. Nobody goes to the games. Nobody's really watching. And if is
1: seven and one,
7: they would. ESPN right. buries them, but um, yeah, they they probably would if they were seven and one. Right. If they or if, if they six and two plot had a big run, sure, then yeah, it would. Yeah. But yeah, Brian, I I think that you, there there is a necessity to actually have to schedule some of these teams. Um, I, I and, see. And I keep see. the roster in. Intriguing. I, I, I'm I sorry, not the roster, but the schedule.
2: I, I say like this: so you know, I got my scholarship taken from San Diego State, right? Um, best thing g- ever. Best thing ever happened to me. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Brady Hoke, Gary Anderson. First, year, first year at Utah State. First one to offer me a scholarship. BYU very next week offers me a scholarship, and with everything, honor code, things like that. And this is just coming from a double minority, black, not Mormon, and I was literally dreading all the stories that they were telling me. You can't wear your earrings. You can't wear. You yeah. can't have your beard. I was like, I just got this. Yeah, <laughs> I just started growing this out. Finally went through puberty. Yeah, and, and I'm keeping it, this. It, it, I'm keeping this. And the thing that changed and, and and really made the honor code go away and everything else you know go away was the wins. Yeah. It, it, it was being ranked, seeing all the ball game swag, and it was literally the eleven and two, eleven and three. You know, whatever the case is, we knocked out this person. We knocked out this person. How many uh, consecutive sellouts?
7: Man, you had some good games. We, Man, you, we, you had some good years.
2: I, I'm blessed to be at the end of that. Right, yeah. 2009, and and so, to me, I, I feel like to to have those kids that BYU can get, where this is the Alabama for you know a recruit like myself, right. But but recently you see kids that are going to Utah State or going to smaller schools from a brand recognition because they have yeah. those wins and, and and they do have a little bit more I would say program clout at the moment.
7: We just saw one of the top safeties in the state sign with Utah State. Yep. Uh, you know, that's that's the reality now. It's a new day. Yeah, it's a new day. We just saw one of the top prospects in the country uh, from Honolulu, Hawaii, I think he's a linebacker. He was the prototypical BYU get. Like, you look at his Twitter account, it's lds.org is oh, his wow. is his Twitter thing. Like, this kid's on uh, the, the, the coast of Honolulu, and he is BYU prototypical kid, and he signed with Utah. Mm. And there were offers from Nebraska and other schools, and, and when I went through and researched this kid, he didn't even have a BYU offer. So that leads you to one or two things. Either BYU didn't feel like they could compete with the teams that were offering or they didn't think he was good enough and completely missed. I would take number one over number two because I think our staff is very competent and would see that this kid is is excellent. So, yeah, Brian, to your point, I think we're we're seeing a lot of kids that would typically hit. They're missing. And and, and it's because of wins. You know, Utah State has now got wins. They got a couple of wins against BYU. They got 10, 11 wins in the book last year. And Gary Anderson's going up there, and they're starting to churn, and they got a lot of guys in the NFL. So it, it's higher level competition. And I think all three of us, and I think anybody that's played for BYU or has been a part of BYU, it, it's tough to stand back and watch this. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I'm sure like, it, it, it's graveling your guts just like it's graveling my guts.
1: It, it is. It and is, I man. hate when Brian's guts are
2: graveling. I know, man.
7: <laughs> Nobody wants that. Nobody wants
2: You know, the, the kid that, that you're referring to, um, you know, I think a couple of my former players uh, our teammates had some relationships with him and, and engagement, and, and to see that, you know, announcement, that's really what I was referring to. And I was like, there's, that's, yeah. that's that's that's
7: tough. It's not what we're so, used to.
2: so So to me, I mean, there's there's all these variables that are in place, you know, and, and I think as far as what you can control, I really believe the best formula would be, to have the Boise State model. You know, you, you take one or two big big giants, you can compete with them. If you do get injured because um, you're going all out, you're fine because, you, you know, this, your second, third-string guys on the roster can still compete with yeah. the cupcakes down
1: the road.
7: Yeah. Uh, I, I just wonder if ESPN steps in and says, hey, uh, we're, we're kind of tired of putting Toledo on yeah. our airway.
1: It's probably a middle ground, right, yeah. between what BYU doing And what you're saying. Huge middle middle guarantee. But I would
7: also say that over the next two years, they've leaned completely to the heavy side of it.
1: Yes, which I've been vocal about, like, hey, what are we doing? What's the point of this? You You know,
7: Brian, one of the things I was thinking about, too, is it's a tough situation because let's say that Kalani puts together nine wins this year, and and that's possible. In my opinion, that's possible. You've got to split Boise State and Utah State, and then you've got to start – Two and two in the first four. If you start two and two in the first four and split Boise State and Utah State, there's nine wins on that schedule. And um, if he did that... On a, on a certain contract year where other Power 5 schools are looking and others are tanking and having issues, and they're like, well, look at this guy. He went from four wins and took him to nine wins with a very difficult schedule. You've got guys that are coming to the front door like your former yeah. coach and saying, here's 3.5. Right, yeah. And I know that your former coach loved it here to a certain oh, yeah. extent. Oh, yeah. And he's like, well, I can't even pass up 3.5. I watch Matt Wells, who is a Utah State grad and loves Logan and – Texas Tech comes in and was winning and very successful and Texas Tech comes in after they went a three-win season to a, what was it, 10 or 11-win season? Texas Tech's like, here's 3.6. And he's like, bye, Logan. Yeah. And and here's the problem. Somebody comes in and offers that here to Kalani. If he does have a great year, he's gone. And it's not just Kalani. That's any BYU right? yeah. coach. Yeah. Yeah. Any BYU coach, you, you put together a schedule like this, they have success. The Power Five yeah. comes calling. And, and and BYU's not going to stop them. BYU won't match a three point six over five. Mm. I don't. I, I, they they could financially. I think they could. They, and I think that if they were in a Power Five conference where they're receiving a check for thirty eight yeah. million, no, they either. just yeah. they just won't. You know they won't pull from other funds to right. pay that area. If right. they got the football funds, then yeah. I think that they need
1: Silicon Slopes to uh, keep yeah. cashing in. Yeah. Yeah. Right, for
7: sure. and for you, sure. th- then the other thought is with the Power Five thing. Once you're in, you're in. Right. And we're watching Baylor do despicable, (laughs) disgusting things. Like every week I'm bringing up a story and it's like, well, Baylor did it again. And they're still there. So once you're in, you're in. You're getting the checks. You're getting the money. That money can then be – uh, that money that can then be divided amongst the football staff, the program, yeah. to, yes.
1: the whole school benefits. Yeah, like, yeah because be,
7: you know BYU is not yeah. going to pull from their educational fund or from their yeah. theatrical They're fund. To be sound, right? Yeah, like yeah. St- Studio C is not like. Well, we would like to donate 2.5 million. <laughs> like it's not happening. Yeah, right,
1: exactly. Right. <laughs> great stuff, Hans. We always appreciate the time, the insight, yeah. the opinion. Uh, it's great to have you in studio. I think second time, right?
7: Yeah, man, second time. Second let's, time. Let's, let's let's make it make uh, three at least. Let's make it three, maybe within the next four years. (laughs) Thanks, guys.
3: Thank you. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.